can't lie like I don't rap about killing and dope, but I'm telling my youngest to vote. I deal with I diggers, I didn't have no choice and no hope. I was and we in this thing for episode 109 episode 109 a league show another another sunday uh for you everybody everybody going good how's everybody this morning man you know i can't complain can't call it just a black man trying to survive you feel me <laughs> it is what it is it is what it is we all have been here of course shot of course eric up in nyc of course jeremy and in Athens, Georgia, how how's everybody doing up in uh in NY and in GA? I'm good, man. Mm-hmm. Just chilling in the room. Jay out in this piece. It's definitely like you said. It's definitely early. It's definitely early. What about what about you? How's you going? How's it going, Eric? I got nothing to complain about. You know, seeing, seeing Wendy's burn down. I can't complain about that. I saw that. I swore that. <laughs> as if, as if stuff wasn't, as if stuff wasn't already wild enough. Like now, all of a sudden, like they, 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 they burn it down, Wendy's and things like that. And it's so, it's so amazing I'll, that you know you bring that up because, um, you know, I, um, I, I do uh, Jarrell, who's up in, um, who's up in Wisconsin now, um, another, you know, Georgia State alum, another signal alum, like all of us also black dudes. Um, <coughs> He was. Uh, I saw a tweet that um, that came from him uh, that you know he was mentioned that he used to go there all the time and that he would um, because he was talking about how much he used to do DoorDash and he would go uh-huh. and he's all the time and you know and just you know just chill there and it's it's so amazing it's so amazing but yeah I, I let him know he won't be going back there you know. Um. <laughs> but it, I, I saw. I woke up and saw most. Well, I saw him last night. But seeing the videos this morning too, it was like, bro, that really happened. Exactly. Like, that really happened last. Night. Yeah. So yeah. Mess like that is surreal. Like when it when it happens, like stuff like that is really like surreal. Yeah. Yeah. No, it is crazy. Right. Proceed, my brother. And, and it feels like each and every event, it gets closer and closer to home, man. Like. Each and every event, that's what it feels like. And, and hearing the, the dude's name is Rayshard, who so many white people pronounce my name when they see it for some reason. Um, mm-hmm. Like hearing them chant, Rayshard, you know, it, it, his last name is it's chills. It's like, dang, like, it doesn't get much closer than that. I've been on University Ave and at Wendy's a billion times growing up because my, my pops, he said, you know, have some work around the corner over there on Jonesboro and then um you know of course going to Georgia State you know you pass it all the time um because it's right there from Georgia State Stadium so it feels like it's getting closer and closer to home and uh it's chilling it's chilling Mm. well we'll we'll get to that later when we talk about Kyrie yeah (laughs) right absolutely absolutely yeah it's definitely like you said when it hits when it hits closer to home it definitely it definitely has a different effect as does everything but one of the things that um once again of course always you know uh thanks for thanks for tuning in obviously but um but one of the things that we didn't get to uh last week uh was all this chatter um about mikey williams so he is everybody know is a um is a well sought after um you know well sought after recruit i mean you know lots of uh lots of colleges of course you know um are, are really looking at him wanted to you know want him to hoop for their um you know for their programs and he's in one of the things that was that became an interesting subject of debate around him was you know with all of the the protests and you know everyone you know um, you know, really bringing awareness to the, you know, to the whole idea of, you know, Black Lives Matter and everything. One of the things that became an interesting, uh, an interesting topic for debate was the possibility of him deciding to go to an HBCU. So when I was, you know, when I was, um, you know, doing some, you know, research and trying to find out things like that, I was like, wow, like, would he actually, you know, would he and other recruits like, take that step and say, you know what, instead of wanting to go to like a Duke or wanting to go to a Carolina or a Kentucky or, you know, a, a Louisville or one of these other uh, like Kansas or one of these other like big name schools, would he want to take that major step in terms of going to an HBCU? I think that if he were to do that, that would be such a huge deal because 
one of the things that I mentioned, um, you know, I mentioned in our group chat is really when you think about it, HBCUs sort of have to operate off shoestring budgets because, you know, not, you know, they don't have much money, you know, really going into their, you know, really going into their athletics departments, which means that they don't have that much money going into their athletics departments. It hurts their recruiting ability. So they wouldn't be able to go around the country the way a Coach K or a Coach Cal or a Bill Self or Chris Mack or a Mark Few or a Tom Izzo would be able to do. And on top of everything else, they almost never really get all that much national shine except if an HBCU happens to make the tournament as the field of 64 for March Madness. So if he were to do that, that would be, that would be a pretty big deal if you ask me. Well, um, yeah. Oh, you go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, okay. Um, I thought Rashad wanted this one bad, so I just was waiting on the boy. Um, <laughs> no problem. Uh, no, but he's... We cleared out for you. Know, like, you didn't do that. <laughs> he's, um, he's one that, um, I mean, it's, Interesting because it's been like other heists, it's been other top high schoolers that people have teased about the, like as far as looking forward, that people have talked about maybe like if they chose that route, it would would shake it up a bit. Like, I, I mean, people have done it with Dior Johnson. Um, obviously they talked about it with Imani Bates, like slightly, um, but like other, other like, I would say like top 10, top 15 kids recruits, like people have teased about it, but it hasn't been somebody like Mikey's yet. Uh, obviously we know Imani's number one for his class, but uh, I think Mikey's was interesting because he is with uh, his AAU team is with Compton Magic. Uh, Compton Magic is like a real prominent AAU team out there in the West Coast, California. They've put out like tons of talent when it comes to D1. All the, a lot of their kids um, do Kentucky, um, Onyeke, who's actually, he's going to USC. He's like, you know, projected to be a top 10 pick, whatever, but they've always put out talent, uh, per se, but, but their, their system they run and their program is like pretty impressive. And then also I get, I think the mentorship they get. So they're, they're the coaches and, um, uh, management and like how they run there is pretty, it's pretty impressive. So what I'm trying to get to with that is just, I think with Mikey, He's gotten some really great. He's got people in his in his camp that I think will at least give him insight into how exactly how important this is and like how shaking this up it would it, like how much it would do for the sport. And I think that he's he's already at a point pivotal point in his career where it's like he's known he's garnered enough with two million you know followers all that where he knows like he's it's pretty solidified where he's going to end up going um, when the NBA draft does you know, ride for him when that time comes from him. We it doesn't seem like there's too much that can shake that up unless he really takes a deep dive, but it's 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 likely not to happen. So I think he has the right system and the right program of people around him to let him know that this is something they'll push for as well. Like I think that's one of the biggest things with some of these kids is they don't they're not in the right program and they don't have the right people around them that will tell them like, listen, uh yes, this is a in some regards this is a risk, but also um, giving them that that information and education they need to know how important this is. And I, I think with Compton Magic, I just wanted to give them a salute on that. Um, they have a, the head of that is called, his name is Etop, really good guy. If you can see, he did like an interview with Gilbert Arenas like not too long ago on their podcast, whatever, but he's a really, really dope. And I like the way that he kind of goes about uh, player empowerment. So with that being said, I think Mikey, it's he's in the right camp to do something like this. Now, whether or not it will happen, don't I'm not holding my breath the thing is it's just I, I feel like most fans uh, they're on the line of thinking that we're kind of being tired of being teased about this you know like we've all heard this before right like that he's considering it um, Josh Josh did it last year Josh Christopher took a trip to Howard that was really dope I thought I gave him kudos for that because um, he actually went on the campus did a, a full official visit uh, scrimmage with the team, you know, like that was really cool to see. It was, there's a video footage that came out showing him playing. Uh, he did like a, there was like a midnight madness type of thing they did, uh, the night he was there. So it was like really dope for him to, for him to get that experience, especially for a West Coast kid going East, you know what I mean? So that was cool. But I think for a lot of the, the fans or whatnot and people who would like to see this, they're kind of like, just show me at this point because we've heard it a thousand times. It's just like, Mikey is a couple years away, so this is cool now, but 
Um, we'll see in a year or two. Obviously, if, if this is something that with the G League being an option now, with the high school to pro option being there in a couple of years or two, it's, it's going to be like he'll have so many options more than he has now. So um, I would love to see it, but one of the things you got to wait and see. Yeah, I'm with you, Eric. I don't really uh, – I'm kind of tired of the lip service of it all. But, you know, I think it's awesome that he's considering it and he's making it known that he's considering it. And it's – you know, I think it's not It's not necessarily about him. I don't really feel like he will end up at HBCU. I don't I don't foresee that. But um, he's gotten the conversation started. And it's trickled down to guys who aren't as talented. It's trickled down to guys that are in football. I've seen – multiple football recruits from the state of Georgia that have been like, hey, going to an HBCU wouldn't be that bad. And voila, they have now they have HBCUs in their um in their top tens or whatever. But um I think that, you know, it's not a, as much of a risk as we think it is because I've seen more players, highly recruited players, go to Kentucky and fall off the map than I have seen guys go to random schools and fall off the map, if that makes sense. Um, people were confused why Anthony Bennett went to UNLV a couple years ago. He was one of the top recruits in the country. And he didn't really play that well there, and the mystery of him got him selected number one. Whereas um, guys went to Kentucky, and they didn't get on the court right away, and they were role players, and they didn't go into the second round. So – I mean, if anything, people, if you can play, people will find you anywhere you are. I think Shannon Sharp said that the other day on TV, and you know, I've always been of that believing that, you know, if you can play, it don't matter where you go to college, it doesn't matter where you play, you can play your backyard. If you can play, they'll find you. So um, I don't think it's that big of a risk. If anything, it gives him more opportunity to show how good of a player he is individually. So um, that being said, you know, it, it would be cool if three or four highly recruited guys went and teamed up on Howard and, you know, they made a deep NCAA run. And, you know, I think that would do more for the sport and for HBCUs than, you know, just one talented guy going to one school. I mean, cause at the end of the day, it's still sports and people want to see you win. So, I mean, it's college basketball is always open. You can get hot at the right time. So I think that would be the best Avenue for it to be done is on college basket, college basketball, because, I mean, no one's excluded from the NCAA tournament as long as it's Division One. So, I don't know. I think that I think that would be really cool to see. Yeah, man. Real quick, sure. sorry, shot. Go ahead, shot. Oh, I was just gonna I was just gonna agree with what Jeremy was saying. Um, yeah, for sure. Like you know, you think about a program like Florida Gulf Coast. I remember uh, Brandon Goodwin transferred there, but when you know. And he came to work out for the Hawks and they said Florida Gulf Coast, of course, the first thing I'm thinking of is Dunk City. Like when kids get offers from Florida Gulf Coast, the first thing they say is Dunk City. A good NCAA run keeps your name in the books for a minute. Um, so, so that's just one thing about how basketball works. It'll be much more difficult in football because you'll need like a lot of people in football to kind of get behind it to really swing the movement all the way because, you know, the kid from – uh, Alabama State, the offensive lineman, went in the first round last year. You know, that didn't really change much. Um, A&T's had some pros over the last few years. You, you want to go, Jeremy? I got I got something to add to what you're saying. Uh, you know, it's it's a little different with football just because there are already talented guys at the uh, in the in the HBCU conferences. I mean, there's guys getting drafted left and right. It's not – and they're excluded. Like, they're not in Division One, so they can't really – compete against the Alabama and Florida's directly in basketball, they can do that. In baseball, they can do that. So that's – those are the sports I would more want it to be focused in anyway because football is, is one of those things that you can get on a college campus and your body explodes and you can get drafted. It's – there's no translation from what you do in high school to the pro level where in basketball, some of these kids are ready to play in the NBA or the G League. So – that I, I just wanted to say that while you were going, but sorry for interrupting me. Yeah, no, you good. But the thing is, with football, it's like it's the money sport, you know. So it's like, you know, to me, this is kind of more than just about getting HBCUs exposed. This is about getting HBCUs money to kind of level the playing field all around. And I feel like, you know, um, 
Mikey doing this would be great. And me personally, I think he has a great chance of doing it because I didn't know his mom went to Hampton. When I saw that, I was like, oh, oh. <laughs> and then, like, Mikey knows his power. Like, he's he's someone you might look at him, you like, oh, this kid thinks he's high, you know, he's cocky, blah, blah. Mikey knows, like, he's Mikey Williams. Like, he, I remember when he was playing flight, you know, he, he was joking when I, he was like, he's a pro, he's a pro. And, and, you know, when they say on Joe Budden podcast, when, in one of his Instagram captions, he was like, you know, if you're a pro, you're a pro. <laughs> Everybody knows. So he knows these things already. That combined with his mom already going to Hampton, I think he's, he's going to the league. I mean, I think he's going to, to an HBCU. And, um, you know, I don't think he'll take the G League route to get money for one year because Mikey's a guy who is so popular. Like, he's going to be able to make money, like, regardless of how far he falls off just off of his popularity after, you know, high school and stuff like that. He's the second, yeah, he's the second most famous high school player right now, you know. Um, and I think if he and Bronny, if Bronny did it with him, uh, I think that will shake some stuff up. But, you know, you, you look at football, going back to football, just kind of all over the place right now. But, um, you know, Cam Newton's little brother went to Howard. Everybody's like, oh, this is dope. You know, this is going to really change things. He balled out, didn't really get much attention, kind of flew under the radar despite being Cam Newton's little brother, and he ended up transferring back to Auburn this uh, this offseason. So, um, but I think someone like Mikey, someone with 2 million followers already, because Cam Newton's little brother was someone I really knew until he committed. And I was like, oh, that's dope. Cam Newton has a little brother, and he's doing well. And, you, you know, so I think this is something different where everybody knows him ahead of time. Deshaun Ruffin, like, you know, going back to what Jeremy was saying, where – a lot of other guys are saying they're considering HBCUs number 20 in the country. We talked about him before on this um, on this podcast, but in Mississippi, you know, he said HBCUs wouldn't be so bad. I wanted to exclusive. I wanted to talk to him about it. Couldn't get a hold of him. Uh, I don't know why, coach. But uh, <laughs> anyways, a- after that, he he tweeted the next day. He was like, college is, is a serious decision. It's, it's not something I play about. If I said it, I meant it. And so if he does it, you know, I think this is the time, man. I, I don't I don't know if they're going to do it. And then uh, Devin Ree, another top recruit in Mississippi, rising junior, he's like number 36 in the class of 2022. Uh, as soon as he was ranked, Jackson State offered him. So I don't know, man. I think – I really think that this could, this could be the turn of a tide. Um in my opinion, and I think it really starts with Mikey because he has the biggest platform. And um, but I think it's gonna take like the whole if the whole strive for greatness kind of camp. Um, not Gabe Cups because you know he's, but uh, <laughs> but if Mikey Bronny, uh, the the Nigerian kid that's like seven two <laughs> at like fifteen. If them jokers, if all of them go to the HBCUs at the same time, all them 2023 kids, man, we, we got something. And I think LeBron, you know what I'm saying? Mikey's got LeBron in his corner, so I don't know. You, you know LeBron's definitely reached out to him since then because, like, Taylor Rooks interviewed him, and he said, yeah, multiple people reached out to me. He was naming all these celebrities that was reaching out to him and support, like, man, you really need to do this. So, you know, LeBron's talked to him about it. I think if LeBron can get behind this, you know what I'm saying, and get Bronny to go there and some of his strive for greatness kids, then we're cooking with grease. Mm. And I, I think another thing with it is it's important that it happens. So, like, it has to be just as abruptly as G League did it. So G League snagged Dacian Nix. They snagged Isaiah Todd. They snagged uh, Jalen Green, right? Like, it happened like that. That's the exact way this has to happen. You know what I mean? Like that's that's how, and it also has to be a way that it's it's a little bit more, it's, it's spread out because you can't have a case where it's like, all right, um, we had two years ago with like Memphis and like they had that top recruiting class with James, you know, James Wiseman and whatnot, and Precious, and then they get dinged a year or two later, and it's already a wrap. So like, if Mikey decides, if DJ Wagner or Isaiah Collier or whatever, like if those guys decide to go somewhere. It, it spread it out <laughs> is my advice like spread it out like go to different schools don't all go to the same school spread it out one go to Grambling State one go to Howard 
You know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's do it in that way, in that fashion. And then um, I think each class, if they do it, it, I think that would like at least start the trend. You know, you have to get two or three from each class. Yeah. That's, I know it's, that sounds like a lot at this point, but it's like the only way it has to be just as quickly as the G League went through and snagged everybody. And the G League was working on this for like the last two, three years of like, getting kids. They were in these camps. They were at EYBL. They were at the circuits. They were like, they had people in these kids' ears for a couple of years now. Most of them will tell you that. So it has to be the same motion with this. It's like, this has to be a, a two, three year plan, um, which is why this makes sense. Like Mike, we're talking about Mikey because it's two, three years from now. So at least starting the conversation, but go ahead. Rashad. Well, yeah, I was about to say, you know, sorry to cut you off, but it was going to be those, um, you know, oh, oh yeah, yeah. That that's the count. That's the biggest counter argument, in my opinion. It's not the competition. It's not the resources. It's the fact that you're gonna have guinea pigs. Like you're gonna need kids in a four year window to kind of sacrifice, you know, because the money and the TV deals and the blah blah blahs, all that stuff is gonna come into play after those kids play for four years and bring that attention and that money to the university. That's the biggest problem that's the biggest question mark being this line between it because for high school kids college choice is a personal choice the choice that's going to be best for me in my career you know what i'm saying that was best for the community that was best for the you know black people and blah 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 you know what i'm saying you can make that sacrifice but a lot of these kids are already coming from situations where it's like this is my chance. And you know what I'm saying? Like when I came from small town, Alabama, and those kids was going to uh, a couple of kids went, one kid went to Alabama and then one kid went to Oregon. Their uh, workout rooms are smaller than my living room. So it's like they're coming from areas where like a, a new a facility, like the ones they have at Alabama and the facilities they have at Oregon and the gear and all that, like that's the big time. Like, that's an opportunity that they'll never be able to, to get. So to kind of go to something, you know, that's better, but not, you know what I'm saying? That's not as first class as Alabama. That's a risk. I mean, you know, that, that's a sacrifice. And, you know, 16, 17, living in that all your life, you're not going to want to, you know what I'm saying? Mm. So that's the toughest part, but it's necessary, man. But we're going to need those kids to do it, you know, for, for the betterment of the people if they're really down for this. Absolutely, for sure. And, you know, and, and, you know, that was a good point that was made earlier about not just necessarily just bringing exposure, but also, but also bringing money. Cause really, and truly, you know, that's, you know, that's going to be like the main decider of how all of this eventually, how all of this eventually shakes out. Cause you look at, that's a great point about the facilities. Cause you look at the facilities at, a school like Alabama or a school like Oregon or a school like South Carolina or a school like a Clemson or a Louisville or a Kentucky. And then you look at the facilities of a school like, you know, an Alabama A&M or, you know, or, you know, another other HBCUs like, you know, there are HBCUs out there that are doing the most that they can with less. So it really is about, you know, it really is about, you know, bringing not only the talent because really and truly I believe that, you bring in talent because a lot of these HBCUs, you know, they have notable alums, as we all know, that, you know, that have gone to them. I mean, we can, you know, we can, um, we, we can name all of the, you know, all of the um, notable alums that went to a, a school like a, like a Morehouse. So that's, you know, that's one of those things where as far as I'm concerned, they have no problem as far as, as far as booster money. Their issue is going to be how how are they going to get more of these top recruits? And then also, I think it's also something that really is a question of the athletic departments because some athletic departments decide, do they want to be a football school or do they want to be a basketball school? And some of it at some HBCUs, it's, you know, it's already well, it's already well entrenched, but for some, it's one of those things where they're thinking like, okay, do we want to you know, bring in, you know, more money through basketball and decide to that? 
or do we want to bring in more money through football because of geographics or because of tradition or whatever? I think that that's also something that a lot of athletic departments are sort of going, you know, through that, you know, with that question and thinking like, okay, do we want to bring, because really and truly college athletics is really all about coaches. You bring in a top name coach that itself is going to bring recruits. Could, could y'all I'm imagine if like the SEC was the swack? Yeah. yeah. Changer. I was gonna I was gonna say one last thing. Also, I think with there's also like I think Shah, you were heading on earlier about about the um, you said the cameras will follow and whatnot. And I mean some of them have to sacrifice because they might not get as much the, the TV deals are different, you know, it's not as much TV exposure, right? But I think it they already see it, the high schools already see it on a smaller scale because I'll say this, like if you, we see them all the time on Instagram, you see like there's like training videos, right? You see these workout tapes and whatnot they're doing. So the same one you might see with Imani working out with a trainer or you'll see um, Dior or whatever, or Mikey working out with a trainer. There's an HBCU kid that has working out with that trainer just as much as him. And Probably right after Mikey does his finishes workout, there's going to be an HBCU either current player or a kid that's committed to one that's going to work out with that same trainer, right? So, and they, but you're not going to see the trainer post that. You're only going to see the trainer post Mikey Williams. You're only going to see the trainer post Dior or whatever, right? Just for the likes and the views, whatever. But like, and Mike, that's, and I'm giving you just a, a small example, like that already they see it on a scale in their own basketball community. Like, this is how HBCU kids are treated. You feel me? So like they already can see that the trainers are wanting, you know, they're, they're already getting like slighted in a lot of different ways. So when it does come to like, okay, this is a sacrifice at the end of the day, like you said, Shaw, it is a sacrifice for them. Um, if they're willing to take it. Yes. Uh, they, they already can understand like what comes with it, but also like even bro, like it's, they're, they're still playing against four year guys. See what I'm saying? Like, if you go to HBCU, it's not like the, the competition, I think it gets, people get it, like, they misconstrued. Like, bro, it's still, a lot of those guys that go to HBCU stay four years, right? I mean, they're very, they're good, they're skilled, they're talented, they work on their craft. They have four years to work on their craft. Black people so just not talented like in just general. Gotta, say it again? Black people just talented in general. Talented in general, my brother. <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> So it's not like you just Mikey not just gonna walk in. Yeah, he's gonna do his thing, but he's not just gonna walk in and just drop thirty every game. Like, nah, he's still gonna have to earn his. So I think that's also like the reputation along with it is is something that has to change. But uh, yeah, I hope these guys are probably more fundamentally sound than what they would see at the SEC level. I mean, I watch I watch some of these SEC games sometimes, man. It drives me crazy. I'm just like. You got all these big athletic guys that just do not know how to play basketball. And I'm just like, why are you talented? Like, why are you given this gift of athletic ability and you don't know how to use it? Um, my last my last point on this is you guys mentioned is you know, college sports are all about coaching. And, you know, I, I've seen people kind of, you know, telling kids that, hey, you guys need to start considering these schools, but and I think a lot of this is on the schools to get out and recruit these guys because I believe if they recruited them harder in the past, and I know that, you know, a lot of people may think, oh, well, they don't really have a chance at a lot of these guys just because of their facilities, blah, blah, blah. Okay, well, what if you start developing relationships with these guys at a younger age? Uh, you know, just the same way the big schools recruit people. Sometimes, like, you have snagged a couple because of just because of the relationships and because of the um, – you know, the, what you're selling, it ain't, sometimes it doesn't have anything to do with the facilities and how much you want and all this stuff. So I challenge the HBCUs to get out and recruit these guys harder and find ways to be innovative in how they attack them. And, you know, all these alumni that, you know, back these programs, give to the athletic department. Like, don't don't just say, I went here and I made went off and made millions. Okay, put your money where your mouth is when it comes to this. Yeah. Like you have, it's a, it's a total package. And, you know, when you start getting these kids, the program will begin to f uh, fund itself after that. So, but it needs help. It needs somebody to jumpstart it. And this is where I challenge the HBCUs to make it a, a priority 
and our Challenge Day alumni to make it a priority if you want this to truly happen. So, so somebody to you, somebody I saw a message the other day. Yeah. So to what Jeremy was saying, um, and I can't, I didn't see like what high school it was, but it was like it definitely wasn't a South, but I, I like very quickly saw it on Twitter. But it was a high school coach that was like saying. Um, he was calling out saying, I haven't seen HBCUs come and try to recruit my kids. Uh, I, may, I think he might have called out a specific HBCU or maybe a couple in the state. And he said, I haven't seen you guys try and come recruit my kids in the last two, three seasons. You know, like straight up called him out, said that you're not doing the work as well. So to what Jeremy was saying, yeah, it is their job to get out there and, and to actually like enter and get these kids, especially earlier and get in their ears and develop a relationship because it's not all on on the kids as well. So to that point, yeah. There are, I'm sure, plenty examples of HBCUs that are slacking when it comes to recruiting and, and actually giving getting that network out there. You got to get out there early with them because it's a Duke or, I mean, not even Duke for, for football, Alabama, uh, Clemson or LSU can swoop in at any time, you know, like and just take it. We saw that with the boy, the quarterback from who was going to Georgia, but ended up switching to Clemson, Bubba. Um, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so they can do whatever they want at any point in time. But you have to get out early because, you know, you, there's they have much more of a leverage than you. So, yeah, HBCUs have to get out there and start recruiting better. And, and it's not a – you don't have the excuse of money when it's in state because it's like – Yeah. Joker, it's $20 <laughs> gas. <laughs> $20 gas. Exactly. Take that out your own pocket. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's all I wanted to say. All right. Yeah, true. Absolutely. For sure. That's, um, you know, that is a, a definitely an interesting, uh, interesting conversation. Of course, we'll see how that for sure plays out. But um, but something else that, you know, that broke um, this week was the continued um, discussion about the NBA's possible return at the Disney uh, Wild World Sports Complex in Florida. And um, when when it was put out there that the NBA was going to return in Florida. I think a lot of people were like, oh, yeah, the NBA is coming back, even if it's only like, you know, 22 or some odd teams. Um, and it looked like that things were certainly progressing in that direction. But then Kyrie Irving said something that was pretty, pretty interesting, basically saying that, you know, should we really, you know, should we really be, you know, doing this? Like, you know, should, is this is this really the, the right time? And I'm just paraphrasing, obviously, but um, should we really be doing this? Like in addition to, you know, with, you know, you know, with so much attention being put on, you know, on police brutality and Black Lives Matter, do we really want to create a distraction? Because let's be honest, like when the NBA does start up again, whether it's July or whether it's whatever, a lot of attention, I feel like there's going to be so much attention put to the fact that, the return, you know, put to the fact that the NBA is going to be coming back, that some of that attention is going to be taken off a lot of these other issues that right now are going on in the country and particularly going on in the black community. I see where Kyrie is, you know, is coming from, because let's be honest, he's not wrong. He's not wrong because the thing that, you know, that is I think a lot of people are really thinking about. And I was talking about this, um, you know, not too not too long ago with somebody. Um, People was, you know, especially with everybody dealing with, you know, the this pandemic and everything, I feel like one of the things that has been so much of a constant that, you know, we've been hearing from so many people is, oh, we just want to return to normalcy. We just want something to kind of, you know, just take our mind off things. That's why so many people are putting, you know, so much attention on, you know, the the MLB, um, you know, negotiation with the players union, because it seemed like that they, it seemed like that they're at so much, you know, there's so much, you know, going on with that. They can't even agree on, you know, they wouldn't be able to agree on what to have for dinner or what to wear on, you know, on a, um, on a given morning. But, but I see where, I see where Kyrie is coming from because once, you know, once the NBA starts, so many, so much attention is going to be put on, you know, what the, you know, how the Lakers are doing or how the Clippers are doing or how the Bucks are doing or how Houston is doing it or whatever, you know, insert, you know, name of NBA team that gets invited to Florida. And so much attention is going to be put on that to the point where it's kind of one of these things that takes away, you know, from these, you know, from these issues that's going on. I think that what, 
you know, what the NBA could do. Uh, and this is something that I think that they could possible, you know, they could possibly borrow an idea potentially from the WNBA, what they're sort of talking about. Um, because one of the things that I saw on Twitter was, um, you know, there was a, you know, there was a couple of, there was a couple of WNBA, like, you know, prospective WNBA design courts. Um, and one of them said at each end, um, one of them said at each end, you know, say her name, hashtag say her name. And then the other one said at each end of the floor, Black Lives Matter. I feel like that if they could, you know, maybe if the NBA wanted to do perhaps something like that, and maybe this is something that could, you know, that could possibly, you know, get done. But I see where Kyrie is coming from to the point where if, you know, if slash when the NBA comes back, I feel like it's one of those things where there's so much, you know, going on right now that I do feel like, you know, NBA players do have this platform where they can constantly, you know, remind, you know, they could constantly remind, you know, all of us really that, hey, look, yeah, basketball may be coming back. Yes, sports may be slowly but surely coming back. But at the same time, you know, make sure that just because all of this is, is, is happening, you know, let's not, you know, lose sight of what's, of what's really going on here and what's really important because in the end, you know, basketball is, is great and everything, but you know, we got so many issues. It, it, we got so many issues that are going on right now that are just, it's, it's bigger than basketball right now. It's really bigger than sports because it's about all of us. Yeah. I'm, um, I'm actually really happy that it's Kyrie of all NBA players. I'm happy that it was him because Kyrie Irving, for some reason, gets under people's skin. And um, at a time like this, that's the person I, I want to hear from. Obviously, you can make the argument that I'm sure people want to have been LeBron. I don't think it would have even hit if it was like a Chris Paul or Carmelo or, you know, you can go listen on of just like, the you know the star the leaders or the faces of the NBA even if Donovan Mitchell you can go James Harden you can keep going I think it just hits harder because it's Kyrie because there's already this history of him um, saying what other people you know opposing other people's opinions because he's not afraid to do it yeah sometimes I agree Kyrie maybe sometimes his delivery isn't always clear so you don't maybe you have to kind of work and try to understand what he's trying to get through and what he's trying to say but. Um, something like this, it's not, it's clear as day. He, there's no, he ain't wrong by anything here. He's not. At Thanksgiving. Say again. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah, see. <laughs> as I say, he's never afraid. He just, you know, so I'm happy it was him. I, I think that um, Shaw said it in the group chat, which was real. It was just like, he's, he's, uh, everybody's just like killing for something that other players were saying. I totally agree with you on that shot because it's like he just was the one who had to say it. Otherwise, it it just it it would it didn't hit as much if it was Donovan Mitchell, but it hits as much as it was Kyrie. So he has a valid reason. Um, also, Lou Will said the same thing. You know what I mean? Like y'all want us to hurry back and start playing for another distraction. Those are the things that uh, it's real. Dwight Howard, shout out to him. Same thing. You know what I mean? I, I don't want a championship. Uh, I would, I'd rather have a championship that this, if I can win this. Oh, yeah, go ahead, Sean. Go ahead, flex it. <laughs> I, knew, I knew what I said when I, oh, man, I should have never said Dwight. Anyway, shout out to Dwight. Dwight. Um, no, nah, but shout out to him for that, too, because Dwight also stood up. So, no, nah, um, I think also the way it was reported was, was pretty foul in a lot of ways. We all talked about it as well. There was a lot of people who told on themselves, which we already knew about them beforehand. But uh, what did he say, the, the, the disruptor? The disruptor. That's all I've never and Woj, Wilder, Woj right? is the most down the middle yeah. robot yeah. in the world. So for yes. him to say that, I'm like, it, why did the, why why the only other person Woj goes at is like the Knicks. Like if you that, go yeah. through the history, he'll take shot. He loves taking shots at the Knicks or whatever like that. Like their their whole management organization. So he does that. But like that's my book. <laughs> but like you said now with Kyrie it's like alright you go from that to the, yeah so he's we saw the way it was covered we all kind of like had to take it in digest it and was seeing like alright shout out to I, well, I do want to do shout out to Chris Haynes shout out to Taylor Rooks because they both 
like kept it very professional and like honest about so, like Sarit Sohi. Sarit Sohi. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. They they Yahoo. they showed that it was a conversation. Like he just brought up something that we should be. This is a, a real concern, real life concern. Uh, Taylor even tweeted out about it that like you know don't hear like people are trying to bring up him being a flat earth believer and all that and like don't try to use you know like recognize the people who are trying to like downplay him for some of his comments in the past or for something like this like watch out for them which is i totally agree with her about um so how it was covered had a lot to do with it as well because it really got underneath a lot of people's skin because everybody was like you know i want my basketball back who is he to say and he's not the deciding factor, like I don't, I like I don't know what people's issue is. He just brought up what is as a real thing, bro. We just saw our home city, you know, but the A, like we just saw it, we, like two days ago, bro. Like what is what he told you just matched it, you know? What I mean, you didn't have to, even though it shouldn't have to happen. Something else shouldn't have to happen for you to understand. It literally just repeated itself again. So we have the attention right now. We don't. There's no distraction. Everybody's out marching and, and, and protesting. We have tons of people because at the end of the day, it's this is something that's important. It's something that could shift the country, but it's also something that we have a lot of people out of work. It's it's like you at the, right now, like a lot of people have nothing else to do but look at themselves in the mirror and understand that this is something they need to be a part of. So you have right that's never been any time in American history like that before, as it is right now when you have this kind of attention. So, bro, if they need to. If this season is a wash, it's a wash. None of us care about it. I mean, none of us, I mean, like, yeah, we love our basketball. I love it. It's my favorite sport. Like, love it to death. But, bro, like, this is something that could really make a change that it's not. It, it Bringing basketball back, I heard Austin Rivers, what he said, and I was just like, I couldn't, I couldn't understand. Like, I get it from a financial sport. I mean, spot for some of these players is like, yeah, it matters. But it's hard for me to see past this, bro, because all I care about is, my people. So I don't, I can't, that's number one to me. And whatever's number two is like a distant number two. You know what I mean? So I can't, my priorities is that it's not going to shape. It's not going to shift for nothing. So with that being said, yeah, I, I salute Kyrie for doing it. Um, I salute him for also giving other players that confidence or not even confidence, but making them feel like um, you're not alone and feeling like some kind of trepidation and going into this and um, concern. I mean, whether I don't, LeBron, Austin Rivers, Giannis, whatever, those guys, if they feel cool with doing it, you know, no slight to them, but I want to give Kyrie his just dues. I don't want to worry about the players who are who want to continue on, but I want to give Kyrie his, his props on that because um, he is VP, um, so he has that platform, he has that power, but he also chose at this time to stand for something. Uh, and I don't – this is, like, for him, something I'll never forget as far as history goes, that I was proud of him for doing something like that. So, yeah. And, and a lot of kind of like the, you know, the people against it, the ops, they're saying like, well, this is your job. You get paid millions to do it. Like it, if we got to go back to work, you got to go back to work and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, but when we go to work, it doesn't like take the attention of the nation. It's not like breaking news. Rashad Milligan went back to work. John Doe right. went back to uh, working his going back to the office being, you know, the nine to five shot of B. Simone. But, uh, you know, like, that, that isn't breaking news. Like, that doesn't stop the presses. Like, this is a different job to where it stops the presses and everybody's attention in the world is on you when you return to work. So that's all I had to say. You go ahead, Jeremy. Uh, yeah, I appreciate what, you know, what all of you are saying. And I agree with all of what Kyrie said. And um, I appreciate what, I've never really – I like Kyrie as a player, but over recently I haven't liked him. Some of the, the ways he's been portrayed in media or just his attitude in the playoffs last year. I'm going to go ahead and put that out there. So that has nothing to do with what he said, and I, I, I appreciate Kyrie because he's that friend that we all need. If you think about it, um, people are afraid to have people like this in their circle, which is a problem. It's probably why people aren't successful having Kyrie in the room allowed him to bring up something that nobody was thinking about. Like, I think a lot of the superstars needed to hear this, and I'm glad it was, like you guys said, I'm glad it was Kyrie because, you know, he's the one thinking outside the box when people aren't. So, yeah, I mean, I think he 
it needed to be said and it needed to be thought about. I'm not saying that this is going to be the reality of what happens. I mean, I don't. I think they will eventually play, and I think they will eventually take up the space. But you know, having him bring that and make that people aware of that will make people less likely to just throw away what's going on right now when the NBA does come back. So, yeah, I mean, that's really all I have to say on it. Like, it's like I, I, I do think that there are ways for the NBA not to be a distraction. I do think that. You know, this is an opportunity, if anything, for them to put themselves in the spotlight more prominently and protest in that way. Because um, because a lot of these guys aren't at marches now. Like, LeBron isn't in marches right now. Um, Ka- Kawhi Leonard isn't out marching right now. So they're not doing anything publicly right now anyway that we can see on TV every day. So if they were to do something every day, like use those platforms to – do their protests in their way, you know, then the attention doesn't necessarily go away and become only about basketball. So, but, but do you, you think, know. question for you, Jeremy, do you think Vorp Twitter like will care that Kawhi wrote RIP George Floyd on the sneakers? Do you think like Vorp Twitter is going to care like they were I can't breathe shirts and warm ups? Do you, you look, even if like what going back to what Keem said with the WNBA, if they put hashtag Black Lives Matter on the court and made a and then the the yeah yeah and then the center uh the little half core whatever is a logo of a fist of a mm-hmm. black fist. Do you think warp Twitter is really going to care about that? I mean that Twitter that you're talking about doesn't care anyway. Those are the same people who are mad because Wendy's burned down. So you can't make those people care. You can't. You can't cater your whole message to them because they're not listening anyway eventually they will come to their own eventually they'll have to face their own demons and come to it in their understanding their own way so we're just trying to talk to the people who want to listen so i mean look at what bubba wallace did in nascar last week the black lives matter paint scheme a lot of people cared and a lot of people took notice a lot of people saw that and a lot of people have started to change their thinking because of it because it's a predominantly white sport that was something we hadn't seen in that sport so something similar could work to the NBA, especially because it's a mostly black industry. So seeing white players doing it, seeing Luka Doncic in a Black Lives Matter shirt would be amazing. Seeing a coach wear a suit with a fist on it or all black suit, stuff like that could, that could be game changing in the sports world. Cause I mean, well, like I said, we've seen Bubba Wallace. Bubba Wallace is the perfect um, guinea pig experiment for how sports can positively do this and change the way and talk to who they need to talk to. Cause like I said, some people are just stuck in their ways and that they're not listening anyway. It doesn't matter what you do. You could literally go out and lay on the court for the whole game and say, I'm not playing and televise that. And they would have a problem with that. So, or you could just play the games and they would just have a problem with who's playing the game. So it's like, I don't know. Like you can't really control how people feel about it. All you can do is continue to get the message out there until people start to understand and want to listen to it. So, I mean, that's why that's why I appreciate what Kyrie says because now he has people thinking about this and maybe the creative minds that are the NBA players, there are the you know coaches. Like now they can take this message and say, okay, well, we're going back to play, but we're going to do it with a purpose so that when we do take attention away people are here with eyes and their minds are still like we subtly present this to them almost as advertising like hey don't forget this this is still happening you know what i mean so yeah i think that's they a also that's a great ahead, point King. that you made um that you made jeremy about about nascar because nascar took an uh, an extraordinary step just this week they announced they're banning the confederate flag i mean i never thought like i knew I saw a little bit on Twitter because, you know, I'm a little bit plugged into NASCAR as well. I saw a little bit on Twitter. um, And of course, I covered a race a couple of years ago in Charlotte. But I saw on Twitter that maybe they were like they were possibly um, thinking about doing it. But I never thought that they would actually do it. I felt like that because of the fact that we right now we don't have, have sports to distract us. I feel like it's one of those things where when things like this happen, it really, 
it really underscores exactly this whole idea that we very well could start to see positive change because for a sport like NASCAR to have, you know, the, you know, to have the guts to look itself in the mirror and say, you know what, we've kind of sort of developed this culture around us to, you know, to the point where it would get the attention of, you know, it would get the attention of a Bubba Wallace. And I, it, it, you know, and plus, really and truly NASCAR right now with all the other sports either contemplating how they're going to return or not really all that close to even thinking about, you know, a real return. <laughs> Baseball! <laughs> it's, you know, it's, um, it's something that really, it, it really does bring, a, you know, greater attention. And the fact that they're, you know, that if NASCAR did it, it just makes you think like, what other sport could very well like, you know, could very well like follow. So, so yeah, I feel like that, you know, that in a sense, you know, is, is really an, is really an understatement in terms of just how much, you know, attention and how much, you know, um, positive change could really, could very well come out of this. I just think it's interesting that, you know, still thinking about the NASCAR thing after they announced that they were getting rid of the Confederate flag. So much of black Twitter was like, oh, we bringing the cookout to NASCAR. <laughs> we heading to Daytona. Like we bringing the culture to NASCAR. Like, like black Twitter's already, already thinking about taking over NASCAR now. <laughs> I, and I'll say this for NASCAR. I don't completely, I don't completely champion them for doing this because I've been a NASCAR fan my entire life. And there's been no opportunity or no even challenge to, um, make this change happen and it's not just black people in nascar it's women in nascar as well the way women in nascar have been portrayed is ridiculous to me it's like you know they're just expected to be in the back of the field and you know it's gentlemen start your engines and danica, you know, patrick. danica patrick wasn't the first nascar nascar driver that was a woman uh janet guthrie uh Shauna Robinson, a couple like she was like a few years before um, Danica Patrick, and she she always got the crappy cars. It's like these women aren't given a fair shot to get into the like the good equipment. Danica Patrick was the first one to really do that. Um, so that that seeing that it almost makes me feel like the the pandemic has kind of boxed them in a corner. I think I might have brought this up in the group chat this week. It's like you know, being the only sport that's really going right now, people are looking at you and they're like, okay, well, this movement is going on. So where's your representation? Where's your, where's your opportunity to change? Where's your, you know what I mean? It's like Bubba being there, he was able to hold him responsible. That's why I think the NBA coming back and having this, having this platform to, to now start, okay, well, let's hold the NBA accountable because they're in this bubble. They're the only thing going. and and um, it'll be like it's like a company. Like a lot of companies have had to come out and say something. Like if if a company's quiet at this point, you're just like, oh, they didn't say anything during this, so I'm gonna stop buying the product. Okay, if the NBA doesn't do anything, being a almost mostly black league, how would you guys feel about that? You know what I mean? Like they're gonna force these guys to come back whether they want to or not. They'll 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 be an NBA season because they've agreed on it, and it may not have LeBron. Like if LeBron were just to say, "I'm not going to do it," blah blah blah, and they would just find replacement players. So it would be up to then those replacement players to do this. Like it's not it's 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 about accountability, holding these companies and these leagues accountable um, as the employee. And I don't get what I'm trying to say. I think you guys probably will get what I'm trying to say. If some of you can clean it up, but I feel like NASCAR doesn't necessarily get all of this credit for doing this. I feel like this was more of a reaction rather than a pro proactive thing that they did. Um, it would it would have been bad had the only black driver said, you know, we don't feel comfortable doing this. Um, I, I, I don't feel comfortable having the Confederate flag at my races that I'm driving in and I'm, I don't feel comfortable with this and nobody that comes to see me should be uncomfortable. It would have been bad if NASCAR just turned around and said, "Well, no, nah, we don't care." Yeah, like that would have been awful. Like that would have been the end of them. They would have been canceled for ever. So, I, I remember this. I, um, um, like I, I feel like I don't follow it. Like Jeremy, you guys 
y'all three follow it much closer than me, but as far as NASCAR goes, but like, bro, I, I feel like I, people have asked them to, to remove the flag for like years now, right? Okay, so yeah, you're right. <laughs> so this is one of those moments again, like we see with a whole bunch of other corporations um, that are just trying to like seize the moment and try to capitalize on the moment um, and try to make sure to paint themselves in a, in a good light as if they contributed in whatever the case may be. But like you guys, you guys have been clamoring before all of this happened that they need to remove those flags and people didn't want to, they were stubborn. So that being said, like you said, Jeremy, late to the party. Um, and as far as inviting, if this, if they are looking for this to invite more African-Americans, like I remember, I can't get it out of my head, but I remember going, I was in Charlotte and went to the NASCAR, I don't know if it's the National Museum or whatever it was, but. The NASCAR um, NASCAR Hall of Fame, I'm sorry, yes, the NASCAR Hall of Fame. Went yep. to it, and, you know, beautifully done, but I was like, I, bro, I barely saw anybody. I didn't see about one that looked like me at all, bro. I was just like, yo, this is nuts. Like, just going through it, starting from the beginning to, the, like, three floors up or whatever, bro. Like, What it you was, doing here, boy? It was a feeling. Yeah, it was like, boy. I was like, yo, like, nah, this ain't, this ain't for me. Like, let's get in, let's get out. Bro. You don't know <laughs> what a NASCAR looks like, boy. You better keep it moving. You know what I'm saying? I felt the pressure when I walked out. I was like, these, probably, these, these folks looking at me like, yo, you better get in and get out. You know what I'm saying? How long are you going to be here? You know what I mean? Like, that's like, like yo. So just the feel of that is like, nah, I can understand how other, I mean, listen, I, I want to give it a try, but like, NASCAR's got a lot of cleanup. They got a lot of cleanup to do with their culture, bro. So it's, yeah, this is a step. But boy, y'all, y'all gotta get right down there because uh, we can't. I can't get with it. Um, and that, that's real, Eric. Because you know to, what I'm saying. Just going to a race. I mean, I went to a race weekend in Charlotte. Uh, I want to say it was two years ago, and it was me and my wife. We were, you know, we were just going to the race like everyone else. But like, I could just feel the eyes. I could feel the. You could feel it, and then well, not, not only do you feel that, then you look over and see the Confederate flag, and now, and now you're uncomfortable. Like now, it's like okay, now I know what kind of environment I'm in. So I'm in environment I'm in. So I kind of just was like, I don't want to focus on what's going on around me. I just want to. I can't even enjoy the festivities like everyone else. Like you go to a football game and you go tailgate. You can go tailgate and go grab a, a, a hot dog with people and play music and y'all can all get together and party at the NASCAR race, get out of your car, get on the little transport that takes you to your seats, sit down and watch only the race because whatever is going on around you makes you uncomfortable. And that's why I was so hesitant to go to a race for all these years because it's like, I don't know if I was mentally mature enough to handle that. And I, I, I you know, my parents didn't want to go to it because they were, in the same boat like it was it was worse even back when i was a younger kid so i don't know like i've never i never felt unsafe but it was like there were times where people said little snide comments to me and or to my wife or like it was like it was like yeah it's, it's a real thing it's a real feeling so and you know what's also so interesting is you've made a great point about these companies that are trying to you know that are trying to be woke nowadays and one of those companies that's trying it is MSG, who of course owns the Rangers and the Knicks. And about two or three weeks ago, they put out, you know, they put out a statement trying to say that, oh, it's not appropriate for us to comment on this. Then we see something on both the Rangers Twitter and the Knicks Twitter, the same thing, but basically like, oh, we're, you know, we're basically saying that we're aware of this all of a sudden. Like, how did it take like two weeks for you to all of a sudden like, open your eyes like some of this that's going on with some of these companies is you know some of it is just pure dpr and you can tell that it's pure dpr because they're you know they're putting it out there like that and they're pretty much you know letting everybody know that it is but some one my last thing yeah the, the, knicks, the knicks are so stupid the knicks are so stupid they had the answer key and still failed the test those dudes had two weeks everybody wrote out everything bro like, all you had to do, you could have just copied a few from here and pasted that thing. Y'all still failed the test. Like, 
they, I understand like they Trump's, you know, like they, it's been found obviously Dolan and they're, they've contributed to the Republic. Yeah. Trump's and, right. and all that. Yeah. That's, that is what it is. But my God, y'all had like so much time to get it right. And you still fail. Home, Just classic mix. Home again. Like, home. <laughs> and, and also if, if I could get everybody's quick answers on this, how do y'all feel okay. about Baker Mayfield saying he's going to kneel and JJ Watt defending um, the protests? <laughs> Wait, JJ Watt and and and, and JJ, who Baker? JJ Watt is defending the protest, and Baker Mayfield's gonna kneel next season. JJ Watt is? I don't care. Yeah. I don't. I do not care at all. You're late. You're too late. You're four years but, too but, late. Matt, May, Mayfield wasn't in the league when Cat Baker. I don't care. He was but JJ though. Right, right, I don't right. care. Yeah, yeah, yeah. JJ, too late. Yeah, JJ. I'm more shocked with JJ because he's like that's the boy who be he always be carrying the American yeah, flag. Yeah. He, he come ran out, out right? with the flag in the middle of those like. He think he Captain America, right? Yeah, yeah like I, him. I think JJ literally just said that because of Drew Brees. Yeah. Uh yeah. It's safe yeah. now. It's yeah, easy it's to safe. say this. That's what we're saying. It's just safe. More popular to be a part of the movement than to be against it at this point. Yeah. I don't yeah. care what you have to say. I don't care that you want to join. Great that you're standing with this protest and being a part of this, but you're too late. You're you're your ig- something, man. Your Baker ignorance and your and your willingness to fight against the movement has been damaging enough in the past. Too bad. Yeah. You're too late. I don't care. Baker got no choice because Baker ain't got no choice because everybody already hate him enough, so he might as well just, you know what I mean? <laughs> him, he <laughs> ran choice, away from the police. He hit them folks, did the Dougie. Yeah, yeah. It, like, <laughs> he had, like, I'm like, Joker, if you don't do nothing, nah, you, and then you're not even good. So, nah, you, you're not about to start, not be good, hit them folks, yeah. and run away from the police and not well, say nothing right about this. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Can't, you can't right. be all of that. Right. It sounds like it's one of those things where it's just trying to be like, you know, too late to the movement. But one person that we know in late, ATL's very own little baby. And, Yay! <laughs> and exactly like and it's it's amazing that you know he he basically like put out put out a new track, you know, pretty much as an anthem for the movement. And it's amazing he put out this track as this anthem for the movement, essentially, you know, as we saw what, you know, as we saw, we've been watching the news, what's been happening in Atlanta as of late and with the, you know, with the, the issue with the Wendy's. And so I was, you know, I was on, I was listening to it a little bit, you know, and I was like, wow, like this is, this is, di-. but I'm really like, I'm really like vibing yeah. this. Like this is, you know, this is dope right here that he's, you know, that he's doing and, you know, just, you know, putting it out there. And because sometimes I feel like, you know, we have, you know, people have this perception of, of rappers, especially Atlanta rappers, like, oh, they just about their money. They just about their clothes. They just about their women and things like that. But but he, he's really he's really out here in these streets. Like, you know, like mm-hmm. he's really out. Shout in out these baby. Shout out little baby for sure. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. That, that was that was dope. He did. He did. And they had a video for it. They, they put out yesterday. That was pretty dope. Like they shot. He did like a video. Uh, he used protest footage, like his why he was protesting, all the footage from his protest walk, and then it turned into a video afterwards. Um, and they, yeah, that was pretty dope. I haven't even been like y'all. Shot and Jeremy have said it, like I'm still growing as like becoming a baby fan. I don't know why it's taking me long, but I'm, I'm starting not, to become a baby. I'm fan. not really like he cool, but it's like I can't listen to his voice for twenty. Yeah, that's years. me. That's me. It's the voice. Yeah, I can't. Yeah. Yeah, he he good. Like Travis Porter, like yeah. Travis Porter. Yeah, he good if you can just catch him in a in a in passing. You know what I mean? Yeah, like he yeah, throw a song yeah. on because you're working yeah. out once, and that's cool. I can't listen to his whole album though. It's, it's I hear that. Travis but these kids, hey, but the next generation love him. Wendy's burning on one side of the city, and then half the city twerking. And like, did you see the <laughs> Travis Porter parking lot concert? There was literally a pit wow. for like people to walk down to, and there was like the pit was full of people and i was like isn't that like the Wait, that was yesterday of this not at the parking lot uh, you know travis porter had a parking lot concert last night well that's like at murphy park yeah yeah yeah, yeah. my boy was there i yeah. saw people i saw what you said yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they had a pit in the front and people were leaving their cars going into the pit the pit was full of people i'm like doesn't that diminish the entire point of this concert <laughs> And then on Edgewood Avenue last night, people yeah, were don't even like get me started at the time. And I'm like, Bruh. Well, that's Edgewood. Yeah, I know. Like, I didn't expect nothing like, from Edgewood. You, you know, a kid died from protests, man. Uh, yeah. From COVID. 
Yeah. Because, um, you know, my, my mom's friends were one of the doctors in Atlanta, and he was like, at his mm-hmm. hospital, they had two kids from the protest come in with COVID. One wow. survived and the other died. Wow. Kids, bro. 20-year-olds. Teenagers. So Yeah, like, no, I saw the Edgewood thing. That, that yeah. thing made me sick. Yeah. That Edgewood video. I was like, y'all are crazy, bro. Like, yeah. it ain't nomad. I mean, it, it just whatever. You know, Atlanta, you know, Atlanta's just going about it different, bro. I can't. I have no words for it anymore. I'm just like, all right, now y'all gonna see. <laughs> like, well, baby called it out in a song. He said, "Covid really? and what happened to Covid?" I'm just, I'm just saying, I'm venting. I'm like, bro, <laughs> like you're not gonna see it until a couple of weeks later. Like when you see these numbers spike up and you see your homeboys and everything falling off, you know, white and the other one of him. He lost a baby moms to this, bro. Like this stuff yep. is serious, bro. His baby yeah, moms, they know eighty. Yeah, I would assume. Exactly. But yeah, that's, 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 that's my that's my time. <laughs> that's your time. Pretty much. Oh no, I thought it was like cool the song. comic view. It's a cool song. Yeah, yeah, it's a dope song. I like yeah. it. Cool video. I mean, mm-hmm. there's not much to say there. I'm glad. I'm glad, little babies. I'm glad he used his platform. I mean, I wouldn't oh have God, expected yeah. it from him to be honest. Same. But Same. the lyrics. I, 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 I've always thought that he was going to be a good rapper, but. Uh, moving on to Dave Chappelle. You, you said Dave Chappelle, right? Uh, we we don't have time to to talk about Dave Chappelle. I was just saying, shout out Dave Chappelle. Oh, yeah, but, yeah, 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 next but, week. But th- this hits more. Uh, closing on little baby. This hits more than guy like Kendrick Cole Gambino. You know, what mm-hmm. I'm saying people who know all the lyrical, the deep, uh, you know, chants. You know, what I'm saying like this hits more that it's little baby for the kids. Right, for it the does. Kids. That's it. it. Does. He's a hot because he's like the hottest rapper around, or one of the hottest rappers around. If Drake would have did yeah. it, it wouldn't have felt genuine. I'm gonna throw. That oh no! Right yeah, no. no. Nobody trying to hear that. Yeah, exactly. Because because we 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 all know we all know e how you feel about Drake. <laughs> but Listen, yeah, man, like, documented. Yeah, <laughs> it would. It just it just wouldn't have hit the same way. Like I feel no, like it, yeah, it just wouldn't have hit the same way because Drake's too Drake's too corporate nowadays. He's like the new Jay Z. You know, yeah, that's not his lane right now. He just keep just Drake, just donate, shut the hell up. You know what I mean? We're, we're past nailing. We're past nailing, Jay Z. We're past. We're past Jay Z. Yes, yeah, we're cool on that. All right, just about pretty much. But uh, but yeah, you wanna um, wanna get on wanna get on up out of here real quick before we uh before Let's we do it. All right, Let's another episode in the books. Let's get on up out of here. Who's starting it off? Chicago. All right, RashadMillin.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Maya Moore Stan. Hey. Uh, Jeremy Johnson, boy. Clark underscore Kit. Oh, man, that ain't it. Clark underscore Kent underscore 75. Superman, you. Hey. Uh, at Eric, you boy, you know what it is. Um, I'm just out here. Uh, shout out to Wendy, man. Like, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> I keep thinking about Wendy, bro. That's all I keep thinking about, man. Them chicken nuggets, bro. But nah, like. Shout out to Wendy's, man. Y'all got insurance? All right, that's it. <laughs> I can name places. They probably got better insurance than better nuggets than Wendy, by the way. <laughs> Keen Balaam, Twitter, Graham, A-K-I-E-M-B-A-I-L-U-M, Twitter, Graham, Beyond the W, Prep Girls Hoops. Check it out. We out of here. Till next week. Peace. See ya. Y'all must thought that I was gonna whisper the whole time. Hey, mistress, uh, diamonds they wear like go fishing. Uh, Y'all don't want friends, I want Audis. Audi. I don't want cars, I want Rari's. Uh, I don't want friends.